look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. How about you, Faisal? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. well. We got a good show today. Yeah, we do. Um, we've got some tips for completing your taxes. We're getting to that point in time. Crunch so time. last few weeks, let's make sure everybody's getting uh, doing the best tax planning they can possibly do. Excellent. Talk about um, avoiding retirement regret. You know, it's a complex <laughs> period of time, and uh, what you want. Everybody looks forward to it. And unfortunately, sometimes there's some regrets. What can we do to make sure we don't have those regrets? Yeah, right? and we need to learn how to tell whether you are mentally ready to retire and how to get how to get you ready if you aren't there yet. Right on. Um, you know, Faisal, when we say the word retirement, retirement means a lot of different things. It's a complicated period of life. There's lots of different complexity attached to it. And in and amongst that complexity is buried uh, the differences uh, between men and women. And we often talk about, uh, you know, there's differences sometimes between how men and women invest and so on and so forth. But you know what? There's some unique realities that I think women face um, with respect to saving for retirement, you know, along the way. And sometimes some sacrifices that I think women make that perhaps uh, men don't. But for sure, there are some differences here. And we want to explore that. Yeah. When there's a sacrifice or uh, it, it builds into a disadvantage, right. it, um, it hampers the future uh, we should get into the details more about this future and how it impacts and what can people do about it and so forth. Because I think um, we need to uh, educate and inform individuals of these impacts because it does impact the pocketbook. It does impact 100%. the lifestyle in the future. Yeah, 100%. And we've got, uh, there's a report out by CIBC and we've got Kathleen Woodard, who's a senior vice president, CIBC Imperial Services, to, uh, to kind of walk us through some of this research and highlight, I think, some of the areas that we need to draw attention to. So first of all, Kathleen, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we've, we've given a bit of setup here, and, and hopefully we've done justice to uh, what we're going to talk about. But I want to start with, um, with a stat here that I found interesting. 69%, so we'll call it 7 in 10, um, women will make financial sacrifices for others throughout their lives. Nearly 30% of women say that they've reduced or stopped saving to take care of children or elderly loved ones. Um, I want to address sort of the, at a high level... Uh, it doesn't have to be that stat, but the, the the differences that you see, the sacrifices that sometimes women are making that perhaps men aren't, and generally speaking, the impact of that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was interesting because what we found in the CIBC poll is that while both men and women make financial sacrifices to care for loved ones, we actually found that women take the lion's share of those care responsibilities yeah. and often take the greatest financial hit. Yeah. Um, so what we're seeing is that many more women than men are actually putting their careers on hold or they're reducing hours or they're in some situations giving up advancing their career to care for kids. And I, and I think intuitively we would all know that. But it's not just about child care. What we're seeing is a growing number of women making similar sacrifices later on in life yeah. to care for a spouse or an aging parent or, or a sibling. And so, of course, this has a direct impact, as you were just speaking to, about women's earnings, power, and savings. And so that, that piece around women, one in three, saying they've reduced or stopped saving as a consequence of child care and elder care. And sometimes the elder care is not really prepared for in advance. Uh, so what we're finding is that this puts women at a considerable disadvantage when it comes to saving uh, for their retirement. So what we actually found in the study, which was, I, I think, very eye-opening, is that women over the age of 55 have saved less than half of what men have saved. 
And of course, women live longer. They're likely, likely to face higher health care costs. So this really means that they have to do with more uh, with with less. So can I just ju- jump in here? There, there's some people who, when, when they found out we were going to do this on the show, said to us, well, if they're a couple, a husband and wife, it's their money. Who cares if one's saving more than the other, long as the overall family objective is being met? What do you? What's your response to that kind of a thought process? Well, I think that there, for sure, what we're seeing is that that couples need to think differently about this. So, if that's the reality that we know that women are going to have the the child care responsibilities, the lion's share, but also often are doing also the elder care responsibilities, mm-hmm. I think there's things that that people need to think about that as a couple you can take advantage of. So, things like ramping up on contributions in the woman's name early, um, taking advantage of things like spousal RSPs, which oftentimes people don't consider, and of course the benefit of of doing something like a spousal RSP is is that the spouse is getting the, the, the tax deduction and using their contribution room, but the person who will be off is, is um, increasing their savings. And the benefit there is that you're balancing out the savings, but that also helps, of course, from income splitting down the road so that you're paying the least amount of tax possible in retirement. Mm-hmm. There's also things about sharing and splitting costs that couples are also uh, considering. So making sure that young couples are splitting parental leave. We're, see- we're seeing that more and more these days where, um, you know, the impact then on, on one spouse isn't um, disproportionate to what's happening with the other, with the other spouse. I think when you look at an, a, a, a woman on her own, uh, and the longevity of her time on this earth. More importantly, the sacrifices that she makes and the financial impact. So, uh, you know, Kathleen mentioned a couple things. One is when you're raising children, yep. uh, you, you're not working, you're not contributing to CPP. That has been adjusted now. Yep. You're not contributing to your pension plans. Some pension plans don't account for that. Um, you know, you're not, you're not saving in RSPs or long-term savings. So that's uh, issue number one. Then later on when they have, when they're taking care of elderly parents yep. or spouses or what have you, they're, they're not only are they leaving the workforce and not contributing, but they're also losing out on their peak earning years. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big impact for the family, more importantly, for the savings of the future. Yeah. And this is a huge, huge impact. And so I think um, when you look at disability for women, it's usually longer than it is for men. So now they're out of the workforce even longer. So mathematically, this is a one big cluster well, of you-know-what. Well, like it's, it's a challenge. It's a sure. big challenge. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and unfortunately... Many, many people do not sit down and get the advice of or strategy to deal with these issues. So let's talk about that, Kathleen. Um, let's talk about strategy. So we, we know there's some inequities and there's some realities that are what they are. What, let's, let's talk about how can, how can women take control of their own finances? What's the strategy as a couple if you're in a, you know, in a relationship to try to, to, to balance out these inequities and potential problems? So I think, um, I, you know, I think you mentioned some really good things, which is, first of all, I think making sure that, that women are also seeking financial advice. So sometimes um, when people are in a couple, uh, if, the, if the man is the one that's leading with, with seeking um, financial advice and dealing with an advisor, it's really important that women have conversations with advisors mm-hmm. to think about, you know, what are their long-term goals. You mentioned earlier investing. One of the things that we also found in the poll is that women, much more than men, lack confidence when it comes to investing, and they're also investing more conservatively. And so everything that you talked about around being out of the peak earning years, being able to have the same amount of savings, that problem gets compounded by the fact that women are investing more conservatively and sometimes avoiding appropriate risk 
given the time horizon that they have. So it's really important, I would say, that, that a woman sits down with an advisor to um, make sure that you are, are having a diversified, well-balanced portfolio that has the potential for higher returns so that the savings you do accumulate are working for you. Mm-hmm. I, I think when when individuals sit down with an advisor, and I think our industry's to blame for this somewhat, the conversation about the investments is the primary conversation right. versus the conversation about the plan and the strategy to reach that goal. Yeah, the goals and objectives. Right? I think that's where when you, when you, we've had this in our situation. But I would say women are way better at that than men. At the planning for, Absolutely. Right. At the and planning identifying side. the goals and objectives. I, when, when, we, when we sit down with a person who wants a second opinion, usually, and, and you can jump in on this one, Dave, yep. um, the... The woman or the, the wife in the conversation will say, I leave the investments to him, so I don't want to even want to come to the meeting. Right. And I, and I always say, we're not talking about investments. We're talking about the bigger situation, the right. problems, the issues, your dreams and goals of how we're going to achieve that. Right. That's more important than the investments that yeah, we whether select. Whether you own ABC Bank or you know whatever. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we have to, as an industry, and more importantly, individuals as, as listening to the show, need to remember that when you sit down with an advisor, you have to go from a planning and a strategy perspective, yep. not from an investment perspective. I think you nailed it. Uh, Kathleen, we're quickly running out of time, maybe 30 seconds or less, um, if you can sort of wrap up what your takeaway on this research was and, and maybe um, some advice going forward. I think the best thing I would say is that um, women need to plan ahead, and I think that you've articulated it well. I think it is about women just facing the reality that there will be this additional burden and as well as joy on them in terms of, of these kind of care. So anticipating that, um, speaking, working with an advisor to build that into a long-term plan mm-hmm. so that you are in control of making the choices that help you have the financial wealth and health that you want in your life. Kathleen, I think that's well said. Thank you very much for taking some time with us today. Thank you. We've been joined by Kathleen Woodard, Senior Vice President, CIBC Imperial Services, and talking about some of the financial sacrifices uh, that women make that can potentially impact their long-term success. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of this notion that you just raised and Kathleen uh, was talking about, about the, the plan and the goals and objectives. And and Faisal, we've we've embarked on this notion of uh, education now. So we're yes. not gonna, we don't want to talk necessarily about not to say we we won't, but we don't want to talk about individual stocks. We want to talk about the big picture, the plan, how to map out getting from A to B to C and enjoying that lifestyle that you want, and all the complexity attached to that in our upcoming seminar. Yeah, we call it bulletproof your retirement. That's on Tuesday, April twenty third at the Carriage House in our seven p.m. session is fully booked. So we've opened up an eight thirty session. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call nine six six eighty four hundred. That's nine six six eight four or go to our website at morethemoneyradio.com. If you want to maximize your tax returns, stick around or for our next segment because we're going to talk about some uh, tips on completing your taxes. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, coming up on tax season, Faisal, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people about lifestyle. Lifestyle requires uh, income. You got to you spend money. Nobody lives on pre-tax income when I last checked. We all lived on, live on after-tax income. Well said. Okay. And um, not all cash flow is created equally from a tax perspective. And I don't think m- many Canadians understand how their retirement mm-hmm. income will be taxed. So let me, let me, there's a report that CIBC did, and we're going to ha- invite Jamie Golan back in just a minute in the conversation. But in this report I was reading, 74% of respondents said that they worry about having enough income in retirement. That didn't surprise me. We have those conversations all the time. All the time. The majority of respondents didn't know how retirement income is taxed. 
So I thought, well, wait a minute, that uh, that catches our attention, right? Mm-hmm. We don't live on pre-tax, we live on after-tax income, right? And proper tax structure is probably more effective at ensuring you've got cash flow than it is to try to figure out what Donald Trump's going to tweet <laughs> over the weekend and how it's going to affect your investment portfolio. Amen. Okay. Amen. <laughs> so, <laughs> as I said, uh, Jimmy Golenbeck is going to join us uh, in our conversation again today. He's a Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Okay, um, 10 minutes, I'm not sure we're going to be able to do justice to this, but perhaps we can hit on some of the highlights here. Um, maybe we'll just start with a, an open-ended question for you. Explain to us so, how some of the key retirement income is taxed. Sure. So we actually did a, a poll, and we actually surveyed uh, Canadians who are in retirement or about to retire, and we asked them, like, what type of retirement income do you expect to have? And not surprisingly, number one, of course, was CVP, Canada Pension Plan, 85%. Then came the OAS, of course, Old Age Security, followed by RSP withdrawals, then maybe some TFSAs, a pension plan, some RIFs, and then, you know, there's some other stuff as well, non-registered inheritances and gifts. So one of the things that people were not absolutely certain about was how different types of income are taxed. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, most of it is just purely taxable. Uh, some amounts are completely tax-free, obviously, like t- TFSA withdrawals. I think people certainly did understand that. But also, people didn't realize that there are some planning opportunities that you can do uh, when you're in retirement. And, and that's why we wrote a report to sort of talk about uh, some of those particular uh, tax planning ideas as well as tax credits that are available to retirees. Well, and I think we need to pick it up there. Um, Just right off the bat, you know, when you were listing the various sources of retirement income, I bet that caught a lot of people's attention, Faisal. Like, there is a whole bunch of different kinds of of cash flow that you're going to receive and a whole bunch of different kinds of uh, cash flow that will be taxed in different ways, right? And so as Jamie listed those things off, people, I'm sure, were going, holy cow, I didn't realize there were so many potential sources. Jamie, let's give you an opportunity and talk a little bit about some of these, uh, the strategies, right, or the tax planning opportunities when people are thinking about you know, pulling the pin, and I now need to live off these various sources of income. What should they be thinking about? Sure. So let's start off with uh, sort of tax credits. So again, we um, we surveyed people, and um, for example, the pension income credit. So less than one in four people in our poll knew that could actually get a credit on $2,000 a year of eligible pension income. So what is eligible pension income? So it's the normal stuff that you might think about, like stuff from a registered pension plan. Let's say you're a retired teacher or government worker and you're getting a you know, a regular pension. That obviously is pension income, regardless of age. But pension income also includes a withdrawal from a RIF. Now, you've got to be at least 65 but it does not include a withdrawal from an RRSP. So one of the strategies that we talk about with many of our clients when it comes time to retirement is you're 65, you still have an RSP, you don't need the money, but you have no other source of pension income. Why wouldn't you convert a portion of your RSP to a RIF a little bit early, so you have to do it at the end of the age you turn 71, but let's do it at age 65. Then what we do is we take out $2,000 a year and claim the pension credit. And that's worth around four hundred dollars a year, depending on uh, you know, depending on uh, on the different situations. So, I mean, this is a valuable credit that some people could be missing. That's free four hundred dollars, Popovich. I like free. Yeah, that's uh, and, and, I like. Tax and you're free. close to sixty five, so you should be thinking e- about this. Jeez, why so mean this morning? <laughs> <laughs> what some people will do is they'll plan in advance, right? And they'll take out, you know, seven years worth, age 65 to age 71. And uh, they'll put in like, you know, $14,000 into a RIF at 65 and then take out 2000 bucks a year, yep. every year, 
and be able to claim that pension credit. And obviously, it doesn't apply if you already have a pension from somewhere else. But, you know, Canada Pension Plan does not qualify uh, for the pension credit. So we need other types of, of pension income, and that's why I think that's a good plan. Other credits, like age credit, I think are pretty automatic. If you're using tax software or a tax preparer, um, you'd be able to claim the age credit. Again, not, not to be overlooked. You're looking at about $1,600 a year. Uh, just with the federal and, and provincial age credit. So, you know, I think that's something that obviously uh, retirees can also count on in, in retirement. Can you walk through, I think, I, your your whole uh, research and your whole report that you did, um, I took that information and, and presented it to the uh, CP Rail pensioners here in Calgary. And many of them, Jamie, had no idea about the income splitting capabilities mm-hmm. in retirement. So how about we That's educate the biggest the one? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say that if you've got a spouse or a partner living common law or married, and uh, and you're in retirement and you've got this pension, then the opportunity to split that pension income up to fifty percent of it with your spouse or partner is a tremendous opportunity. I mean, we're talking potentially thousands of dollars a year. And and the reason for that, there's actually a few reasons. The first reason, of course, is that we pay tax in Canada at graduated rates. In other words, the higher your income the higher your rate. So just looking at federal rates, we start at 15% for income up to about 47,000. We go up to 20% all the way up to you know 33% at the high end, and you add the provincial rates on top of that. But imagine if you're the sole pensioner and you're a couple and your other spouse or partner has very little income, the ability to move some of the income from your return to your spouse or partner's return can actually save you $1,000 a year in just pure income tax. But that's not all. Because in addition to being able to reduce income tax, you may also be able to reduce your income, which is used to calculate various government benefits. So there are a bunch of benefits that are income tested, that are, are, are based on you know on based on income. And if you can move uh, benefit, you can move your pension income from your spouse to your partner or other spouse's income. You may be able to preserve benefits. So you know these are things like you know, guaranteed income supplement, OAS, the age credit, these are all income tested. So if you can reduce your income, we've seen situations where clients have actually saved thousands of dollars a year in increased old age security because they no longer get clawed back because they've now moved half the pension income to their spouse. Mm -hmm. And I think what people need to also understand, Jamie, is that that pension splitting is done on your income tax and they get confused with CPP pension sharing. Absolutely. So maybe touch a on huge CPP pension sharing. Yeah, huge source of confusion because, in fact, in our survey, one-third of people uh, responded to our survey thought that they could actually split uh, their old-age security uh, with a spouse or partner. Um, with CPP, you can share it, but it has to be done at source. In other words, you have to apply to the government and elect to combine both of you and your partner's CPP, and then it's split at source, and you each receive the money. Whereas, absolutely, with pension income splitting, uh, that's just simply a, a mathematical calculation. It's an election that's done on your tax return when you file your return. So two very different concepts, and we found in our survey that Canadians were not fully aware of how those rules work. And I think one thing that we have to kind of clarify for people, because this came up in my presentation, was that when you're doing pension splitting on your income tax, you can change that number year over year. So you can split up to 50% or go down to zero every year based upon some tax strategy or planning. When you do uh, CPP sharing, that is a set it and forget it done. Once you've done it, you cannot reverse it. Am I correct with that? 
Well, no, I think you can go back and, and cancel it, but it can. It's not something that you do on your own. Right. Correct. In other you words, have to go it's back. not something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you have to do a formal process with uh, with the government of Canada. Whereas you're absolutely right with pension income splitting. You're filing the return every year. As long as you both agree and both sign off on it, then every year can be a totally different game. You don't even have to figure it out until you file your return. So much easier to do the pension splitting. And, and by the way, with pension splitting, there's no physical transfer of cash. With CPP pension sharing, there is a physical transfer of cash from the government. The government will actually direct that cash to each of you. With pension splitting, you're both agreeing to do it just for tax purposes, but there's no real transfer of cash unless the spouses want to actually transfer the money to each other. So, Dave, we have to go to a commercial break. I want to uh, give the opportunity for all of our listeners. If you if you want the details of this retiring right, understanding the taxation of retirement income uh, document package that, that Jamie has put together with his team, uh, reach out to us at morethanmoneyradio.ca. Ask for retiring right, and we will email you this package directly to your inbox so you have an idea of not only the survey results, but some good information as well. Yeah, we want to thank you again, Jamie, for taking some time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Been joined by Jamie Golombek, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC. Um, we've got a seminar coming up where we're going to be talking about this and how to properly plan for retirement. Make sure you've got enough cash flow to last a lifetime. Yeah, Tuesday, April 23rd, 8.30 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online by going to morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break and we'll hear about avoiding retirement regrets. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, Faisal, uh, we talk a lot about retirement, clearly. I mean, that's all that we do. But there's a new risk we're going to add to the conversation about retirement. Ah. And I'm going to call that risk regret. So this is an interesting report put out by CIBC. Clients have a new retirement risk. It's called regret. We've got Jimmy Golenbeck uh, joining us today, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. Uh, Jamie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. According to the uh, this most recent report, more than one quarter of retired Canadians regret their decision to retire. What is going on? Well, we went out there with a poll in uh, January, and we asked Canadians about their retirement, and, and we asked them, like, are they still working? A uh, quarter of them said they regretted it, and uh, an equal number uh, have tried to actually re-enter the labor market with limited uh, success. Uh, you know, most of them returning for the intellectual stimulation, 59%. But half actually said that it's financial concerns that had them returning to work. Well, uh, that might not be exactly the picture that people think about with retirement, right? That's a big number in terms of regret. Um, were there any consistencies that you guys saw? Um, you know, was it a, it wasn't what I expected? I mean, I understand the financial component. Was it what they were running out of money or they thought they were going to? Could, is there anything you could characterize there to, to be a little more specific on what they were feeling? Yeah, again, well, I mean, we asked them specifically that, like, why why are they returning back? And then the number one reason was uh, probably boredom. In other words, they're yeah. looking for some type of intellectual stimulation to have some kind of purpose, uh, you know, to feel, you know, important uh, with their life. Uh, but half of them did say it, it is financial concerns, and that sort of begs the bigger question and reason why we actually came out with a, a companion report on retiring right uh, looking at all the tax implications of retirement and what are the different sources of income that you're going to have in retirement from Canada Pension Plan to OAS to RSPs, DFSAs, private pensions. How are they all taxed and are there things you could be doing in advance 
or even in retirement to maximize your retirement cash flow. Yeah, that was a great report, and I'm going to ask our team to hopefully put that on our site yep. uh, at morethemoneyradio.com to come pick it up if you want a copy of that. It's a we'll put it as a PDF, hopefully, and get that so you can download it. If not, we'll be able to put a link up there so you can you can grab it yourself. But a, but it was a very good report, Jamie, and I thank you for for you and your team for putting that together. There was a couple things in regards to regret when it comes to the financial piece. Um, when when people are transitioning to or living in retirement, they miss out or they forget about certain things they have to worry about when they go to retirement from an income perspective. From that report, what were the key things that you recall that are things that people need to remember when they transition to retire from a financial perspective? Yeah, again, there are there are some basic things like, you know, when you're converting from an RSP to a RIF, uh, there are certain credits that you can take advantage of. The pension income credit is certainly one of them. Uh, in addition to that, there's the opportunity to do pension splitting. There's the opportunity to do Canada pension plan sharing. Uh, in fact, some people actually thought you could share your uh, your OAS, which is absolutely not true. But there's some misinformation there in terms of what planning and credits are available to you. And I think the other thing that's important to keep in mind is that if you are doing some part-time work, uh, you can still go on and, and continue to claim the Canada Employment Credit. So, again, there are tax advantages and credits that are still available to you. And I think it's very important to work with an advisor uh, a tax advisor, a financial advisor, to make sure that you're totally on top of all the opportunities when it comes to uh, after-tax planning for retirement income. You know, Jamie, in the uh, in the report, too many Canadians approaching retirement without a plan. You know, we've we've done lots of uh, pieces on this. Uh, now, that plan, I'd like you to comment on that because it's not just a financial plan. You you touched on something I think, Faisal, that you and I talk with people about all the time, and that's about the engagement model, right? What do you? Everybody knows what they're retiring from, but they don't necessarily know what they're retiring to. So a plan doesn't just mean a financial plan. It means what that transition is going to look like, what you're transitioning to, how you're spending your time, and so on and so forth. But maybe you can speak broadly about this idea of not having a plan and the kind of stress that it creates. Yeah, I mean, people really retire, and sometimes it's voluntary, but sometimes it's involuntary. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, one day, they have nowhere to go the next day. And uh, while they may be okay financially, uh, there's really nothing to do. They, they haven't thought about it. And, you know, of course, people are living longer. And, you know, we're seeing people retiring in late 50s, early 60s. And if they're in relatively good health, relatively good health, they could live 30 more years. And, you know, have we planned for this? And uh, not just financially, but have we planned in terms of how are we going to occupy our time and find purpose uh, with those years? Is it volunteering? Is it doing a part-time job? Is it honing a skill that we've always wanted, working on a hobby? Maybe it's your golf game. But I really think you need to sit down and think about what you're planning to do and how you're planning to spend your retirement. Well, and, and you may have just answered the next question. I was going to you know, say, as we sort of sign off here, in terms of the results, what, what would you say people need to do in order to prevent the regret from when they retire? Again, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, if you're getting towards that age that retirement's be becoming a little more common, what, what, what should they be doing? Well, the number one thing, and the reason why we did this poll in the first place and wrote the report is to have a plan. I think there's a lot of people out there that can help you if you don't uh, can't do it on your own. Uh, have a financial plan, have a retirement plan, and also have a life plan in terms of what is your goal, what are the things, the objectives you plan to accomplish in retirement. And if you have a plan, you'll feel a lot more comfortable about that retirement day. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's great news. We'll sum it up and we'll leave it there. Jamie, thanks for your time today. Always a pleasure. Thank you. We've been joined by Jamie Golenbeck. He's the Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. And, you know, Faisal, um, I, you know, I, I want to talk about this because Jamie concluded there with something I think is really important. We go and, and we 
you know, through these educational seminars that we've been doing for years. We talk about the fact there's a difference between a, a lifestyle plan and a financial plan. Correct. Right? And you have to start with this, this lifestyle plan, which is more holistic and it's broader. I mean, I don't like that word holistic, but it's broader based, right? You need to think a little bit about what your lifestyle is going to look like. You've got this cool um, uh, uh, program or project that you often do with clients about the 31 things. Yes. That helps people um, determine what it is they're going to, what they anticipate they're going to be doing. Walk us through a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah. So I, I challenge everybody to actually write this stuff down. 31 things you want to do in retirement. Uh, and people say 31, they get kind of shocked by the number and there's a rationale behind the number the first 10 usually are pretty easy to do i want to travel here i want to do this i want to do that the next 10 get a bit more challenging the last 11 you actually start going deep into the values of what you want to do in your retirement. what's most important right. to you right. what do you value um it's mostly to do with things that are not always financially um yeah. dependent or even activity based necessarily correct right? yeah. it's it's getting into what you really believe in and that's where i think people need to do that so write the 31 things you want to do in retirement and do it individually from your Bingo. partner Bingo. because there sometimes is an influence from one partner to the other or um your personalities may clash or things that you really wanted to do may not be brought up because you want to make sure that your partner's okay with it. Um, so I say do it separately. Don't share it with each other. Just keep it separate for from the onset. And then once you have um, completed that task and your partner's completed that task, then you get together and you start to write down every single one of them on a board. We use whiteboards in our office, Dave. So we, we kind of write them down and you kind of figure out which one is um, uh, he he wants to do what she wants to do. And there's going to be a lot of overlapping activities. That's going to be on your we list. So there's things that you can do individually, things you can do as a couple. Uh, and that kind of gives you an idea of how your retirement activities and, and things you're going to be doing in your, re in your retirement are going to be played out. Well, and it, it also addresses, um, and I take you back to our first second, uh, retirement seminar. There, there was really interesting, uh, and people, if they do this exercise, if you're listening and you do this exercise with your spouse, um, one of you may be under the impression that when you retire and you're both at home, you're doing everything together, right? Think about your life. Is that the way your life has been? Yeah. Most people haven't done that. There are people that work together and so on. But most of us have separate lives. We called our work lives. And then we had this joint life that often involved kids and other activities that you do jointly, right? So that kind of Venn diagram idea that you're talking about, if one of you has an assumption you're 24-7 together and the other one doesn't, that can lead to serious problems. So this is an, it's an excellent exercise, right, to get focused on who wants to do what and when? And when I want to do something that may be separate from my partner, mm -hmm. I don't want my partner to feel like I'm leaving him or her out, right? Exactly. This is, it, it's just part of the process. And understanding that at least starting that process, even though life will throw things at you, will make you change the way you want to have things happen in your retirement, yeah. um, still having some sort of, of structure or plan will give you that freedom for the future. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, we often do a lot of planning around work and when we're raising kids and so on and so forth. I want to suggest to you that your retirement Retirement, the phase of your retirement life could be, in fact, longer than you're working. It will likely be longer than when you were raising children. It's an important phase, and we tend not to be doing much thinking about what's going to look like. I, I won't harp on that anymore. Let's remind everybody about our upcoming seminar. Yeah, you don't want to have regret in your retirement. So we're going to talk about how to bulletproof your retirement and ensure that your lifestyle never retires on Tuesday, 8.30 p.m., April 23rd at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. So give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. You think you're mentally ready for retirement? 
Maybe not. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, you know, Faisal, let's talk a little bit more than money because, uh, especially in Calgary, we've had, um, you know, over the past four years, and even as late as last week, I talked to a client who has, who's had a, a date in retirement chosen for them. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we talk about this transition uh, to, to retirement. Now, sometimes it's chosen for you. Sometimes it's burnout. Sometimes you're ready and prepared for it. There's a whole bunch of different reasons you might get there. You know, lately, I think the last couple of weeks, people who've been calling me up for second opinions and so forth, it's been a lot of burnout. Yeah. It's been, it hasn't been chosen upon them, but right. they're, they're just done. Right. You know, they, they don't want to do what they're doing anymore. They want to retire, and they're trying to figure out that their finances can actually match that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I guess if you if you get laid off and your date's chosen for you, that's one thing. But, you know, it's interesting to have that conversation, as we've had many, to try to help somebody understand whether or not they're leaving because they're ready to leave or because they're burned out, as you said. So we thought we should explore this because it's come up often enough that we see a reoccurring theme here. Now, to help us understand that, because you and I can't help in that particular area, <laughs> we've got Dr. Wendy uh, Froberg, who's a psychologist with us today. Wendy, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, let's let's talk about this, and uh, I'm not sure we can do it justice in the time that we have, but how, how do you tell? So if somebody is thinking about leaving the workplace, you know, what are some of the signs of burnout versus, you know, preparedness to go? Okay. Well, sometimes I distinguish um, that as burnout is something where we want to escape a situation. We want to avoid it uh, because we can't handle it versus a more proactive retirement where we're maybe thinking of ourselves as moving towards something. But burnout is a, is a state of chronic stress. Um, it has physical and emotional exhaustion, um, a sense of being cynical and detached, and also feelings of being ineffective and, and lacking in accomplishment. It's a very complex um, human kind of situation, but it's the idea that your inner resources just aren't adequate to, to help you cope. And it's very insidious. It, it can creep up on us. Um, we don't realize it's happening until we're in a pretty bad, a pretty bad state. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting. It's running from something rather than moving towards something. Is Correct. What, is what exactly. I heard there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Okay. So, so what are some of the things that you can do to, to combat this? Well, I think the way I look at, at combating um, burnout is to, I call it boundaries and balance. So what you want to do is to make sure that uh, work isn't the only thing in your life. And I think the earlier you, you can start this, the better. So you want to be sure that you um, focus on your relationships. We know as we age, we move from um, you know being very focused on acquiring things and, and the sort of mm-hmm. uh, financial definitions of success. I, mean, I always joke about nobody lies on their deathbed going, gee, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. You know, they're generally talking about they, they wish they'd had maybe more time with their loved ones. So definitely have some, some boundaries between work and play, work and relationships. Say no to certain things. Don't say yes all the time. We want to be, you know, helpful and we want to please others. But you just have to avoid taking on too many commitments and responsibilities. And related to that, you can also learn to delegate things as many as possible. You know, don't be the be-all and end-all. Let other people help you. Let other people assist you. Learn how to take breaks between, especially between big projects. Um, learn how to, you know, turn your brain off of the 
the work mode into the uh, relaxation mode. Sometimes that involves even just controlling your devices, not always being, you know, accessible through electronics and, you know, email and text and phone and so on. Uh, not, don't take too much work home. Again, we want to achieve, we want to stay on top of things. People will always want more from us. But we have to learn how to leave things at the office, come home and, and have a different part of our life, at, you know, at home. Um, and, um, you know, maybe even talk to other people, a support group if you're feeling burned out, a support group of other people who are facing the changes of retirement can be helpful. You know, don't isolate because isolation is actually one of the signs yep. of burnout. And then just try to find your passion. Try to maybe rediscover it. That should be one of the, the, the benefits of midlife and beyond is oh, maybe I can re- reduce my focus on work and start to find what really excites me. Wendy, when you were talking about this stuff, you were saying you're giving us some tips, and what I kept on hearing was be able to say no, build that boundary. A lot of people have a hard time building boundaries and saying no. Your boss tells you you got to do something or stay late, or or and it's hard for you to say no because, especially in this city, some people sure. are very sensitive of sure. if I don't do like I've got now three people's jobs on my back because they cut mm-hmm. so many people out of the yep. out of the company. So now if I say no, I might be on the chopping block and I'm not ready to like. There's a whole whole bunch of reasons that people say they can't of the why they can't say no or why they don't build boundaries. So. What, what, do we do, what do we do in that situation when people can't say no or if they feel think, they can't say yeah. no? Yeah, I think we have to take a longer-term perspective. It's that idea that if I don't start setting those boundaries and, and putting right. limits on, on you know, just what I can do in a day and how much information I can juggle at the same time, then I'm going to succumb to burnout or I'm going to succumb to some sort of physical stress and ailments. Um, we, you know, we, but we, humans are notoriously short-term in our focus. Um, you know, we don't want to, we want to lose weight, but we want to eat the pie now because it tastes good now. And so there's that sense of that idea of really valuing um, your self-care, really putting yourself first uh, for the purposes of, of longevity. I mean, once we get to midlife, we really need to start looking, you know, looking after our health. And that includes our, our mental health and our emotional health. And having the confidence that, again, especially if you are a senior person, um, that you have, uh, you know, how you have capacities, you have experiences and perspectives that perhaps younger workers don't have. And, and, and hold that near and dear, that that, that gives you um, a value. You know, you're not ready to be put out to pasture. Um, and so, but it is, it, it's a, it is a struggle because there's lots of competition. There's lots of anxiety about money when the economy isn't strong. I, I totally understand that. Well, and it's interesting, the common theme of what you're talking about here is is change or transition, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be just a change from working to retired. As you said, maybe we have to stay working, but we have to change or transition the expectations or, you know, the boundaries, as you said. So I'm exactly. interested in maybe just broadening that conversation a little bit. And we've only got a couple of minutes left, and I, I would really love your counsel for anybody that's listening about if, if somebody is feeling the, the stress of, change, whatever that change is being driven by, um, I suspect that there is some process that people go through in order to internalize, understand it, and then bring about change. Maybe you can just give us some some tips on if somebody's struggling with this right now, what should they be doing, thinking about, and, you know, the kind of time frame that we should be making these changes over? Okay. Well, sometimes, you know, you hear this term midlife crisis, and I prefer to think of midlife and beyond as a time of of disruption, a healthy disruption where you start to challenge your existing beliefs about what constitutes success. 
reevaluate um, what you what you love to do, what you're good at doing, and maybe revise uh, the structure of, of your life. Um, so kind of it's looking at that old script, you know, are we meeting other people's expectations or are we following our own passion? What's our core identity? What are our true talents mm-hmm. and passions? And this may be, you know, the latter third of life is often the time to finally put some of those things in, in place. Um, it's okay to not work to the, you know, to, to the point of exhaustion. You can, you can change that. So we want to, um, we want to uh, deal with the idea that there's, that there's fear. Um, you know, people get very um, anxious about, oh, if I do this, I'm going to, you know, whatever their anxiety is. So you want to really mind your thinking. Um, catch yourself in negative patterns of thinking, of, of fear-based thinking, and try to reframe those as challenges rather than catastrophes. Mm-hmm. You know, hunt for the good stuff. Um, develop problem-solving skills. So things like what's what's happening, what's the worst-case scenario, what's the best-case scenario, what's most likely to happen, and then develop a plan. Because when we engage in purposeful action, that's the best antidote to that negative downward spiral of you know fear-based thinking. So determine first what you can control and what you can't control, because it's going to drive you crazy to try to control things that are outside of your control. Yeah. Yeah. As we said before, ask for help, find out what you're your greatest character strengths are. And ideally, you can turn the the, the adverse event, whatever it is, into a growth experience. I'm going to add one thing in there very quickly, and we've got to wrap it up. But you said something that was important uh, to me. It resonated with me also in in the interview today. Was that, uh, I'm probably saying it differently you, but be selfish with your time, right? Um, Yes. I, when I was a young man, I, I had written to a, um, a very successful uh, business person whom I didn't know that I wanted it to mentor me uh, coming out of school, and uh, he took it on. And one of the things he said to me, and now this is going back 25, 26 years, he says, I'm going to do this for you because nobody's had the courage to ask before, but I am very selfish with my time. This is exactly what you'll get. No more, no less are you in. And, I, and that sort of stuck with me, right? Because he said, I've got family. You know, he, he outlined it for me. Yep. And, and, and that, I think, was very, very important. So uh, there are things right. that we have to do, and there's coping mechanisms yeah. there. And, and then there's things that we have to take responsibility for in terms of organizing our time. Wendy, I, I want to thank you for that. I think that's great input. You're most welcome. I enjoyed speaking with you. We've been joined by Dr. Wendy Froberg, who's a psychologist. We've been talking a little bit about, you know, burnout versus just about change, haven't we? Correct. And we're going to talk about change because as people move through this transition into retirement, right, it does have change. And there's there's an emotional, uh, a physical, and a financial side to this. We're going to try to tackle all of that through our four buckets at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, it's on Tuesday, April 23rd, 8.30 p.m. at the Carriage House Inn. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966 8400 or go on our website to morethanmoneyradio.com. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. 
David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.